Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about Bad Batch Episode 10, and we're talking to you about it live on Twitch. So if you're in the Twitch, feel free to ask questions, give feedback that we can comment on. If you're listening to it in podcast, please enjoy. Always give us comments afterwards, and feel free to join us the next time we podcast. All that and more with Paul Hoppy and Zuhair Ali after this commercial break we have no control over. Today we are discussing Bad Batch Episode 10 with Paul Hoppy and Zuhair Ali. First of all, Zuhair, uh, you're coming to us from the Animation Deliberation Podcast, who's been co-hosting this along with us. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back. Awesome. Awesome. Glad you can be here. And Paul, uh, how about yourself? I'm Batman. Oh, no. Um, sorry, that was the wrong... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Doing a lot of streaming today. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anybody who is watching on stream, just so you know, at the end of this podcast, we're going to be doing a raid, uh, which means we're basically like a whole bunch of us, like anyone still in the stream, I will be sending you all live over to Paul. Uh, and because raiding is very important, especially here in Minnesota. Oh, did you get the hat? You got the hat! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul, glad to have you with us as well. And so for both of you, uh, what do you think of this episode? Well, I think I share y'all's sentiment in regards to how you feel about wasn't sure how to feel about omega at the beginning of the show but now she's just such a beloved character love seeing her on screen um love her sass so i like that it was like a 50 50 episode of seeing her sass with sid and just her attitude and how she feels about the situation and being the emotion of the group but i was excited to have an episode that just kind of focused on the core bad batch members and seeing them at full operation because there was a lot of episodes where it was, we got to watch out for Omega. Okay, Omega did this. Now we got in trouble and Omega did something to save us. So it was nice seeing more of them and how they work together and how they operate and not having to worry about the newest member and just seeing what works for them. So the level of, I mean, it was still kind of episodic. Like, I don't think it really pushed us much in the story, mm -hmm. but the action yeah, the action and just kind of um, seeing it back at the core group was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I definitely get that feeling. I I feel like it pushed the, the, the story of the characters further in some very important ways. It didn't push the overall story forward, although we did get one scene that I really wanted. Um, but yeah, I, I just loved getting to see... You know, you're right. We've had a couple of episodes now of Omega doing cool things, and folks not really kind of fully giving her the credit she deserves and still wanting to protect her. And I like the way they set that up as like, okay, if you win this game, you get to be, uh, uh, you get to be fully on our team now and, you know, come along with us to the missions. And obviously you don't know what happened, but I think, it's, I think it's a pretty good chance that, uh, uh, she's going to win that game. Yeah. I think it was an interesting way to explore and develop the group dynamics by, separating the group by removing Omega from the group and giving her her own thing to do that had consequence and, and um, felt like it mattered and, and sort of showed, um, you know, that she's an avid chess player or whatever it is that they're playing. But, <laughs> you know... <laughs> space chess. Space chess prodigy, you know. Um, so I enjoyed that in terms of her character still getting some development, but at the same time... Um, having the the original Bad Batch members, or three out of the four original, plus Echo, um, 
going off on their mission and not having the mission be about Omega and about where she fits in with their group. You know, they, they got to kind of flex a little bit more. Although actually at one point I thought they were going to get captured and then she was going to come rescue them. Uh, but they already did that right with the, with the baby rancor and everything. This is probably the first episode in a while where none of them got captured or went missing or got knocked out. Like the mission actually went pretty smoothly. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it feels like in, in Mandalorian season two, they kept trying to mm-hmm. find ways to, like, keep Grogu out, right? And mm-hmm. Hero Mega doesn't have, you know, Deus Ex Force, you know, um, or Force Ex Machina. I don't know, whatever. Um, but, <laughs> you know, so they don't have to exclude her in order to keep, you know, having people be like, well, why doesn't he just use the Force? But they you know, do, I think, want to lean into that sort of, like, right. what is it like the Bad Batch just doing Bad Batch stuff? Um, you know, so so they let them do some of that, and I, I, I enjoyed that, you know, within the episode. I really like those dynamics as well, especially because, obviously, there's an extent to which Omega, even if she has, like, very good, like, eyesight or tracking skills or, you know, whatever's happening with her, you know, we, we saw her be a very good shot one episode, but then not really again, Obviously, she is physically, like, nowhere on the same level as them. She's just much smaller. Mm. She's not as strong. She's not as powerful. She's not going to punch as hard. And so seeing her be able to do something so well, kind of better than any of the rest of them, or at least maybe maybe Hunter's her equal, but no one else, that has nothing to do with her size, that is just about her brain and her strategy, and is... I mean, I love the Bad Batch. They seem fairly good at tactics, they're not so good with the strategy part. So, like, at least in some ways. And so I, I really like getting her to getting to see her develop that in, like, something that isn't really part of the team, you know, and, and, and isn't about her size. Is there something specific, maybe even in this episode, if not, that kind of showed that they were bad at being tactical or bad at coming up with plans? With strategy? Yeah. I, I guess just in terms of... They've seemed very sort of like moment to moment. They've been having real trouble kind of like my sense is that they're doing a lot of like responding to events, not really trying to like stay on top of events and control events, um, especially like the whole like getting into debt with Sid thing. And, and it, I might be reading more into that. Um, that is absolutely necessary. But that's sort of the general sense I've gotten is that they're 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 really um, just kind of always staying one, you know, one step ahead of whatever's the le- next disaster coming. I've always felt kind of 50-50 about it. I feel like they mm-hmm. obviously they're kind of in a situation that they've never been in before and it's a little difficult to deal right. with. But overall, I kind of feel like they... What is the... There is a quote from Flash. It's like, make the plan, execute the plan, throw the plan out the window, make a new plan. <laughs> and they, they do yeah. pretty good at just going right. off of that. Like, they, they are very... Yeah adaptable in their situations but this really is um this is like a new playing field for them yeah i guess the distinction i'm drawing we don't need to go too far down this rabbit hole but like to me um tactics like what you're talking about there like you're in the mission something's come up you got to adjust that's tactics strategy is more like okay what's the six month plan what's the one year plan what's the long term kind of thinking that we're doing and they've never really had any cause to do that Right. I mean, right. they've, they've yeah. always been on missions that, you know, there was some strategical goal set by someone else, set by generals or whatever. Right. And they've, 
Um, you know, I mean, the, there's another saying, like, no plan survives contact with the enemy, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think they are very good at tactics and pivoting when, when things go wrong, right? Uh, but, mm. but I, I mean, I can see... I, I haven't felt a specific lack of strategical thinking, but there certainly hasn't really been much. I mean, that hasn't so much been a thing. It's right. been kind of like day-to-day. Although I feel like... Isn't that literally everyone in the Star Wars universe, except for Palpatine? (laughs) (laughs) It's always like fly by the seat of the pants, you know? It's the kind of the swashbuckling way, I I feel. Right. Yeah, every long-term goal is just, what is my purpose? Or you're following orders from somebody. I do feel like the Jedi had some long-term plans, they just were really bad at them. And perhaps um, an important part of plans is gathering all relevant data. Uh, a skill at which the Jedi failed rather spectacularly. <laughs> but yeah. So let's kind of just start at the beginning also, because I've been saying for a while that part of what I want more of is this story of how the Empire, the Republic becomes the Empire. And those first two or three minutes were, I think, some of my favorite of the whole show, because I loved getting to see, like, till now, what we've mostly been seeing is why the people who have been on Republic worlds that were really problematic and nothing was working or kind of out on the rim, whatever, were happy to have the Empire come along. There's there's currency that makes sense. Someone's taking care of the riffraff, you know, trains run on time, all that kind of stuff. Um, I really liked getting to see the opposite. I really liked getting to see, and granted, this was a Confederate, a separatist planet, which I think is also pretty significant, but just getting to see that there are some folks who are resisting to this and that, you know, it's not just everyone loves the Empire. Uh, and the way that whole thing played out, it, it, it hit me really hard. What, how do you all feel about that, that first scene? Yeah, I think it played out really well, the way that they went about it. It, it kind of gave a little perspective to the Separatists, kind of thinking back on a few Clone Wars episodes, too, where the Separatists to the Republic are how the Rebels are to the Empire. They just kind of want to do things their own way. Like, literally what made them the bad guys was the fact that Dooku was in charge. But aside from right. that, like, what were they doing except for wanting to, like, manage things in their own way? Um, so it was just kind of like, we we weren't even happy with the Republic, and now you're throwing an empire on us? And we have to mm-hmm. abide by this set when we were trying to fight for this? Like, I, it was interesting seeing those people just like, we just want to live our lives, we don't want this control. Get it all out of here so we can just do what we want to do. Yeah. I, f- I feel like a challenge for this episode that made it not hit um the way that i feel like it could have for me was that Mm. the clone wars and prequel trilogy never really clarified all that well why the separatists wanted to be separate Mm -hmm. like they kind of like talked about it a little bit and there was some stuff with tariffs and whatever but like that that wasn't a central part of of any of uh, any of that stuff right although it was the central aspect of the conflict between the republic and the separatists and so um for me it it kind of it doesn't i mean it's like i understand why you wouldn't want to be part of the empire but it's like since the whole reason that they were separate in the first place or wanted to be was Mm -hmm. so un underdeveloped uh i feel like there wasn't like a whole lot of resonance there for me it kind of felt a little bit like stock and sort of has for me. I know there were bits in the Clone Wars where, like, we got to see and relate to some Separatists. But, like, yeah, yeah it really was like, oh, Dooku is running them, so, like, they must be bad. And they're a droid army, so we can just kill as many of their soldiers and, like, not care about it. You know? <laughs> Which, like, that's its own problem. But, uh, 
Had, did we see Raxus, this planet, in in the Clone Wars? Yes. This this was, this was um, where... in the episodes where um, uh, Padme and uh, Ahsoka yeah. went to kind of like secretly meet with the Separatist Senate. Yeah. That was on this planet. Oh, okay. And it's established a couple other times that this is the, uh, after Geonosis fell, this is the new sort of headquarters of the... Uh, separate right, alliance, okay. the capitals. Was Earth. was this character I, Senator Singh in any of any of those? Do do you remember or have you seen? Uh, I didn't remember. I I looked him up on Wikipedia, yeah. uh, and and he wasn't there. Okay. Although Zuhair, also I know you have a, a really good knowledge of this this background and canon. So please jump in with anything I'm missing. Uh, I was trying to think back on if he was sitting at like the council table when Dooku was addressing everybody, but I don't remember that character mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, I also know that there's a book that kind of continues the story of Ventress that takes place on this planet, at least a significant part oh. of it, but I haven't read that book, okay. so I can't comment. <laughs> One kind of, I don't want to call it PC, but it was just something that I thought was funny, is that when they started showing the architecture of the building, I was like, oh, this is very Middle East, Alhamra looking. Then I was like, all right, there is a um, sub-Asian looking dude. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there's the Indian-like accent. Cool. In the diverse world of Star Wars, you gave the word sing. To the dude with the Indian accent. Yeah. <laughs> cool. There's no other words you could have made up with right. how wild yeah. the names are in this universe. You had to give the Indian to the Indian dude. Not offended by it, but it gave me a right. great laugh at the beginning. Yeah. It, it kind of stood out to me, too. I was like, hmm. <laughs> it, it's a balance, because I think to some extent, the TV, show, the, the TV show The Clone Wars, especially in earlier seasons, often went very hard the other way where there would be sort of a lot of elements of what seemed like an alien culture that was very inspired by a particular culture on Earth. And yet the people there were like, there's a lot of incongruity there sometimes. Uh, So I felt like like, here at least they're being conscious of it and thinking about it, even if maybe, you know, kind of going for like the very lowest apple on the the tree they can find or whatever it is. I guess if the (laughs) Empire is British? That's exactly what I was going (laughs) to say next. Oh my God, it's so good. (laughs) <laughs> oh man Paul I definitely hear what you're saying and I think part of it for me is I definitely agree about the separatists and I think my my frustration with the Clone Wars itself is I felt like there was kind of tension in the writers room that on the one hand they wanted to give the separatists some more humanity uh, or alienanity whatever it is and, and make them seem more sympathetic so that you sort of understood the way that like Palpatine and the financial players were pulling all the strings, but also make them feel evil enough that eight-year-olds could enjoy watching them get slaughtered without any moral complications. And that's definitely like an impossibility and a real problem. I think for me, though, the fact that they were separatists to Republic didn't click as much. I don't think right now I can watch police moving into Mm. a, you know, public gathering of protesters in front of a government building with armored vehicles without thinking of like, you know, all the times that that has happened over the last year or two. And maybe it's just like, that's just an image that's very much in my head, but the way it was set up felt like there was at least a little bit of intentionality to that. Um, And it definitely hit me really hard. It was just sort of a really, uh, and were either of you surprised that it wasn't more violent like I, I was very much expecting <clears throat> the the stormtroopers to open fire on the crowd or the tank to open fire on the crowd. I was glad they didn't, but I also I, I definitely felt it was coming. I mean, 
So there was the dialogue where when the trooper started telling the guy to leave, he was like, no, like, we can be here. We're, we're here to speak. Like, who are you to tell us to leave? Yeah. Uh, right. I feel like if they actually came out in some type of riot gear, that would have made it a little too real. Yeah, but that's the, fair. the violence aspect of it when the tanks rolled in, because the Empire's objective is to, at this point is to win them over, too. Like, mm. hey, we're the good right. guys. We want yeah. you to, to conform with us and this and that. So I guess my imagination just kind of filled in the gaps of, like, maybe some of the troopers actually did get, you know, aggressive in responding or some of the right the rioters kind of, like, you know, initiated. Um, you know, it is still a certain demographic, so I understand why they didn't show it, but my, my imagination kind of filled in the gaps of, like, what I expected to happen, especially when the tanks started rolling in. Yeah. And I, can, <clears throat> I think you make a very good point also that the Empire isn't yet in full fear mode, mm-hmm. you know? And part of what I was thinking of in that is the, the line in A New Hope, once they've dissolved the Senate, once the uh, Death Star is online, where they say, now fear shall rule. And right. I, I feel like part of that is that the Emperor spent most of these 20 years trying to get enough of the Senate, trying to get enough public opinion on their side that they didn't have to resort to just brutal fear and planet destruction and stuff like that. And to me, I thought it was very striking when even after he had quite publicly like gone against the empire, the Senator, like she still wants to convince the Senator to work with her. Like, I think that that to me, that showed that like, even there, the empire is like, we could just kill this guy, but then we're never going to win the planet over. And we are still thinking in those terms. And I, that I just loved all that because I just that, I feel like that's a part of the story that I'm just so interested in. Um, so I, I I was just really happy to get that. You scene. see the results of uh, Palpatine not having to worry about voter numbers anymore. Right. Definitely. Um. Oh, I was just gonna say, like one thing to me though that like kind of I feel like it undermines also some of the. I feel like every planet is so small. It's like this was this this like global event, right? But it's like right. you've got yeah, there's a big building and then a town square and it's like somebody just talking out to the people, just like person to to people, right? Like it's a, a big audience, but it I mean it feels like it's just like hundreds of people or maybe thousands, right. but it felt kind of like hundreds and I think some of that's it's like how do you show like global politics? <laughs> like maybe right. screens in different areas, but you know, it's sort of the, the flip side of the whole, like most planets have one biome. That's just like, it's like, it's a desert planet. Yeah. It's an ice planet. It's a forest moon, you know? Um, and, and I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but it, it feels sort of like in, I think this is in most space opera or space Western or whatever. Right. I think Firefly has like a similar problem. Like, it's just like, well, you've got all these planets, but they treat them like they're cities. Like each planet's a city, kind yeah. of, you know. And I get it. I, I, I don't think it would necessarily be that easy to do it differently. Um, right. But the fact that it was just like this one person speaking to a crowd of people, and that was supposed to be this big moment. It's like maybe showing that it was broadcast more broadly would have uh, right. made it feel a little more consequential to me in some ways. That's something that's always kind of bothered me about the Star Wars universe, because I feel like all these events could essentially be on one giant planet. Right. But they want to show Mm -hmm. hyperspace. Yeah. 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 I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think uh, Firefly, I feel like at least they gave a little bit of an excuse for it by saying that the colonies were still fairly new. And so in a lot of like 
they were just small moons and there was only one colony area. But yeah, in something like Star but even there it was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But for Star Wars, I think it just doesn't make any sense. I think you're right there. Especially with how often in the Clone Wars, for example, or even Rebels, you know, our heroes will crash land somewhere on a planet. It's pretty much always within one day's ride or one day's <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. of the people who will be able to decide everything for their planet. Right, you know? right. Um, and that's always kind of just like, eh, okay. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I think I think there's definitely a lot of that going on. Um, I also, I did think also, like, again, I wish we had gotten more of the story of why. But I did note that they were fighting stormtroopers. Yeah. They were not fighting clones. Well, I think a they lot of them voices, were clones, they... but they're all dressed like stormtroopers. I thought they were clones altogether. Did... The, vo- the voices sounded very different to me. I mean, granted, given Bradley Baker's yeah, role, yeah. that's not necessarily saying something. The, uh, let me I, take a quick look at the Because uh, I think um, in, the, in the, um, the captions, it would say clone trooper. Something like clone trooper screams or whatever. Oh, um, I didn't see that. I mean, um, D. Bradley Baker did also play... Appa and Momo in, in Avatar: yeah. The Last Airbender. Did so, he really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along with who knows how many other voices, but so uh, he's got range. <laughs> but right. but yeah, I wouldn't um, imagine he would be trying not to sound like a you know like the Reg clones. If if right. uh, but <clears throat> okay. Well, um, so maybe I'm wrong there. I, I uh, quick Google search isn't finding it yeah. for me. If any of you in the chat know, please uh, chime in, or if you can. Uh, do a deeper Google on that. Uh, let us know. <laughs> Give it a deep Goog. Get back. <laughs> yeah. Like, I tried hard not to saying that, folks. I'm sorry. I can't always control so, my So guess. just a disclaimer <laughs> from me. Everything that I say about this episode from here on out is with the understanding that these are clones, not okay. Stormtroopers. That makes sense. That, that's good. Yeah, well, especially because, I don't know if you all noticed this, yep. but here, our heroes were always firing stuns. Yeah. yeah. Like, they were firing stun grenades, but also... I think now we have real clarity that the blue laser itself doesn't mean stun, but the blue circles does. Yeah. They've not been firing those blue circles. Now they were. Yeah. What would you all think of it? Is that something you noticed or, or had much thought about? I noticed it. I thought it was a little, I was like, Hmm, but they've just been like shooting. Like maybe it's because they're in stealth mode and uh-huh. there's a couple things. One in the beginning when they're like in stealth mode, maybe it's louder if you just like blast someone. Yeah. You know, right. it's concussive, explosive, whatever. Um, and then two, maybe because they're not, in the beginning, they're not being fired upon, right? It's like oh, a little different than like yeah. when they were uh, wherever it was and there are stormtroopers or clone troopers or some combination literally just trying to kill them. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, yeah. we're just going to shoot you with our <laughs> regular blaster rounds. Right. I, I don't know. Are they rounds? Whatever. Um, blasts. Yeah. But here it did feel like I, I noticed the difference. I was like, they haven't always been doing it this way. So I wonder, you know, I wonder why. Yeah, yeah I've noticed it. That's being, a really good point. I've noticed it being the stuns for when they're doing stealth ops, and then when they're going against actual people, and then they yeah. use like their live rounds when they're going against droids. Right. So, which which had me thinking, like, when they actually, like, during the stealth part, like, yeah, it made sense to have stun, but during the combat part, that was another thing that made me think that they were going against clones, was mm. that even during the intense part, when they were hiding behind the tank and stuff, they were still shooting stuns. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they still have, like, feelings for the brothers and stuff, that they don't mm. want to kill them if they don't have to. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's a really good point, and, uh, as always, folks in the chat, uh, if you've got thoughts on this or questions on uh, this topic or anything else, please jump in. Uh, the whole 
fun point out of the chat is that we get to be interactive, so let us know. And also, if you haven't, please drop a follow. I think that's a really good point. And, and I think it just makes me wish that we'd had 10 seconds of, you know, Wrecker getting his weapon ready and then, like, Hunter saying, now, you know, remember, put it on stun. Mm. You know, these folks aren't fighting us, you know, whatever it is. Like, because I do think that is such an interesting question here. And um, to me, it, it was something that Rex and Ahsoka really explored when they were up against a whole bunch of Order 66 clones yeah. of they really didn't want to kill these people. They knew that it was, um, you know, mind control. They knew it kind of wasn't their fault. They didn't want to kill them. And, uh, you know, even to the point of, like, taking the time to bury literally all of them after the the, Star De- the Republic Star Destroyer crashed. Uh, I recently learned that even those were called Star Destroyers. I, I used to think Star Destroyer was a very, like, Empire, Empire scare the hell out of you name. It was like, oh, no, they're called out of the Republic. Mm. Okay, well, there you go. So yes, I and granted the 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 Bad Batch have a very different relationship to the clones. We've talked about that before, but I still would have liked to see just a little bit more of that from someone. Yeah, I think being explicit about it would would have value. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I think they're being deliberate in terms of how they're drawing it and how they're yeah. having things play out that way. But I I think they don't they don't talk about it right. They haven't really mentioned right. it at all. So right. I could see them doing that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be curious. I, I will really want to see some kind of like behind the scenes commentary. Disney plus has been pretty good about giving us mm-hmm. those. I'd love to hear from Filoni. If there's some things where either like they consciously decided to leave it out or if it was like, that was, you know, the 30 seconds they had to cut to get down to time. Yeah. yeah. It's a 22 minute like show. Like, yeah, you keep, there's yeah. so much you'd want to squeeze in. They probably can't have like, I kind of wonder if there is like a whole bunch of, you know, uh, uh, you know, outtakes of outtakes with animation is a weird term, but you know, of footage that was either written or maybe even like sh- uh, animated mm-hmm. and dialogued, but they decided not to use. That does show more of the like crosshair and Tarkin on Coruscant, the decision to use the clones or not to use the clones, because it, it seems such an interesting thing, and I, I I I just would love to hear more about why they're doing that. But that's that's a comment I've made a couple times now. Yeah. I imagine there aren't a lot of, like, outtakes in that regard in terms of scenes that were pretty much fully realized. Like, you know, I mean, when you see outtakes in big-budget movies, usually you still got the green screen in the background or whatever. They didn't render everything, right? right? But all of this is, like, rendered. They might have some sort of... I've seen things where there's, like, some lightsaber battle that was going to go a certain way and they had it kind of all modeled out, but then they didn't Mm -hmm. actually do the full rendering or whatever, and you can see kind of how the battle was maybe going to um, proceed. I think um, I think Palpatine versus, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Maul and Savage or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, was, there were yeah, like... I've seen some versions of yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I, would, I would think it's more likely that there's like pages in a script that then never got produced yeah. rather than um, scenes that you could ever actually see. But maybe you could read them. But, yeah, I, I do wonder, like, how much they decided to bring the story this way or that way or whatever. Right. Well, my impression is, and Zuhair, you, you know the most about uh, animation probably, so I wonder if you have thoughts on this. My impression was that they will often record the audio first because that way they can make sure that the what the character's doing on screen kind of matches the exact verbal cadence that the actor used. Um, you know, because an actor might pause like an extra second than they thought they would in the, in the script or something like that. Um, does, does that sound accurate to you or do the actors just have to kind of 
they have to match what's on screen already? It depends on the studio and how they want to do mm. it. Some will do the voice first and then they animate accordingly. Some will have like the rough draft of the animation to where like the lips aren't moving yet and then have them mm, okay. voice according to the, the scene and then add the detail and the facial mm. features later because it's all layered up. So it's like they'll have the, the oh, drawing yeah. of the storyboarding and then they color it in and then there's more motion involved and there's steps on steps on steps of rendering. So it all depends on how the studio decides to do it. That makes sense. But watching so. storyboarding animated is pretty cool because you know it's, it's just picture 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 but you get a lot of story out of that so they could have had that yeah. and been like now we don't need this to scrap it yeah that makes sense well more things we'll know hopefully when the it all ends uh what else from this episode kind of jumped out at you the action was so good yeah yeah just uh going down the hallway all the stealth stuff the communication like we understand like what the pros and cons of each of these characters are so they don't need to waste mm-hmm. time explaining all of that yeah uh so seeing them maneuver and work in and gs8 was interesting she wasn't one of the more <laughs> annoying droids at least she still kind of had like a little bit of uh sensible comedic relief mm-hmm. uh her loyalty yeah. is um was pretty cool but that the scene where they had to hijack the tank and the tank got shot so they had to get out and kind of hold the ground and that was one of the things another thing that i that made me think these were clones is that it looked a lot more intense when they were in the middle and getting fired on on both sides than it would have ever been with droids and also would have mm. ever been with stormtroopers because mm. stormtroopers right. can't aim for their lives. <laughs> and it, it, there was a sense of, Oh God, they're really closing in right now. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get left behind. Someone's going to get captured or injured or whatnot. And the, the way that they were pressing in and the intensity of everything was just like, Ooh, this is, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At that point, I really did think that there was a reasonable chance they were going to get captured or someone was going to get shot or I did not think they were going, going to end up escaping relatively without incident. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I thought it, it was um, very good uh, action. The not as good as last time, last time yeah. that, that hand to hand is what, as a martial artist, I there appreciate it, is. it most. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to end this episode by the two of you getting to have like five minutes of discussing the martial arts scene in the last episode. Because I know we, uh, just the way the guests worked out, yeah, that's yeah. what you two wanted to dive into a bit. Yeah, I, I definitely like all of that. I, I don't I don't know enough about fighting really to, to appreciate those things the way you two do. And it's not – I'm also just not a very visual person. I'm not – the animation doesn't grab me in the same way. But I loved, I did love the way it told the story in the battle, um, especially the thing with the tank, because, you know, you see the other tank fire and basically like blow, pretty much blow off the leg of the tank that they're in. Yeah. Fire in the tank they're in. They hit their target and on first, the first try. I know. Yeah. Clearly clone troopers. <laughs> and, and at first our heroes are like, oh yeah, we've got to like go fix the rear stabilizer. You know, yeah. it'll be fine. Like, didn't your shit just get totally blown off? Like what? <laughs> I was like, and, and so the fact that they were pretty quickly like, oh. Nope, it's worse than that. We just gotta go. I really appreciate it. I was uh, like, is and, this the riot version that just didn't have shields they weren't expecting to be fired back on? <laughs> you know? And I, I did really appreciate also, I think, uh, Paul, you brought it up earlier, or maybe Zuhair, that, yeah, the plan worked. Like, mm. it, it is fun to see that idea of, like, the well-laid-out plan, but then something goes wrong, and so they have to adjust. But 
I do kind of love the Ocean's Eleven idea sometimes of where like everything that could go wrong has been planned for, right. and made part of the plan. Yeah. And they didn't quite do that here, but they sort of it was a plan that was a well thought out plan. It hit some adversities. They struggled. They almost didn't come through adversities because you're right. I I never I never thought like oh this is gonna be easy. I thought there's a real possibility it won't work, but then it did work. And I was like okay cool. That's I I like having that option. You know, so it's yeah. not always just. Everything goes wrong, and then a miracle saves them. Yeah, the two things that were really reiterated in this scene were how good clones are and Mm -hmm. why they're worth so much, and then how much better the Bad Batch actually are. Because, yes, yes, they haven't had to deal with fighting clones, and that was really stressful for them, especially having to stun and being four against 50. And just the the pressure because the clones are tactical they are organized they do fight in a certain way it's something that they never dealt with but their ability to still have another successful mission was yeah. something that they had to step back up after losing so much in the last two episodes mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a really good point especially because i feel like this is to me one of the things that makes the clones in star wars kind of unique uh or at least by some versions, when I first, Paul, you and I have talked about this a little bit. It was a somewhat different direction. When I first saw the clones show up, the clones be mentioned in uh, A New Hope, mm-hmm. and then uh, some of the later novels by Timothy Zahn and others, which are now legends or unofficial canon, but but they all kind of give the impression of like clones are kind of like semi-autonomous robots, you know, and that like maybe you need the force to connect them, or but that they don't have individuality and they don't have sort of the ability to kind of come up with strategies and to learn in quite the same ways or just that there's you know that a thousand actual sentient living soldiers will be better than a thousand clones but that it's much easier to create a thousand clones clone wars they totally turned that on its head and and both with some of the books but also the show itself really kind of emphasize like no clone troopers are better than regular troopers you know they have better accuracy they're more obedient they are uh you know they're not worried about other things outside of uh soldiering some of them are that becomes an interesting plot point and so i love that but i think for me it just it it just makes it all the more of a question of if tarkin is seeing like the clones are doing better at missions why do we get rid of the clones you know and it so i both love that but it also just is like i don't want to keep focusing on wanting that story but if you tell me that even now the clones are doing a better job, <laughs> why do we get rid of them? It's all about the money. Yeah. It, it reminds <laughs> me of that Kurt Russell film, Soldier, where mm. I don't know if anybody knows that film, but he's like, I, I, I think they're like, he's like a ki- born as a kid and like raised to be a soldier from like tiny. Right. And, you know, the idea that like, yeah, you're, you're probably going to be better at it than if you wait till you're like 18 and then, you know, you go through right. basic training, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, the best martial artists are generally people who started mm-hmm. as a kid. You know, there's like a I, sort I of fluidity like, that I think people. I get. think there's also some Jean Claude Van Damme movie that was about him being kind of like a sort of cyborg, sort of clone, genetically modified um, attack soldier who like develops sentience and isn't supposed to. Yeah. It was some meaningless ca- combat movie from the 80s. I don't expect anyone to remember it, but. <laughs> It's one of the things. One of the things that kind of established their discipline at the beginning of the episode too was that they don't like working with separatists, and mm, they had right. that. I like that they had well. that dialogue of, "Man, we got to work for these guys. Why do we have to do it? No, we don't want to do this." Blah blah blah. 
But when it came time to start the mission, like all that was put away. Mm. It was like, yeah. all right, we yeah. got our banter out. Yeah. Off to work. We're not going to let this degrade from what we have to do. And for sure, they did. They could have easily been like, "We don't want to save you, but we're here because it's our job." It's like you're our target. We're leaving. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they trust the Separatists so little that they actually closed their ship door. (laughs) First time ever. First time I've seen a ship door close in Star Wars. Um, But, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, that they were kind of hung up on it before they got there to the mission. They were like, ah, the Separatists, why are we, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, we're doing the mission. It's just, like, focus, complete focus on the mission. I love how the droid didn't want to be used as bait before, but after doing it once, she was so excited to do it. Like, I know what to do. It's like, no, not this time, not this time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I love. I, I felt like that droid was kind of like, it was the version of C three PO that I would have rather seen. You know, because <laughs> yeah, like, you're not wrong. G S A. Comic relief. It was comic relief without being quite the like we don't care all about your feelings. Like right. I was both. You know, I was super proud that GS8 got through that entire mission without letting the vase break right. until the very end <laughs> yeah. when it did. And the senator was like, eh, I never really loved it. You know, and so it's like, okay, yeah. you know. I was never really of, of that of, vase. Of priorities. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> I certainly can't. Um, it's kind of but, boring. But yeah, I, I, yeah, fair. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I just thought that that was all. I love that character. Yeah, yeah, even I at was... the no, go ahead. Yeah, just even at the beginning where it's like we know what the story is. So when they met with the droid and she started explaining the story, they were just like, "We don't care. We're on the mission." I like right. you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also just thought it was. I felt like for the Bad Batch, it was never really about like they didn't have that the Empire is my enemy, and so the enemy of my enemy is my friends moment, mm. which I kind of liked because. I think clearly, like, we're going to build towards things like that. I think clearly, like, they're more and more going to become sort of on the side of not just getting paid, but of, like, fighting the Empire to some extent or another. And and we'll learn that over the next 20 years, so much of the story of the Rebellion coming together is all these different groups, many of whom did not like each other, all realizing that they share this common enemy. The episode title is Common Ground, that they can come together on. But I could have felt like if they had done that, if it hadn't been Sid being like, you're going to get paid, yeah. if they had just had this moment of like, oh, they're fighting the Empire, we're fighting the Empire too, let's let's go do the right thing. I want them to have that moment, but this would have felt too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Their relationship with the Senator like, kind of set a foundation for that to come up in the future, mm-hmm. but I do agree yeah. that I'm glad it didn't happen now. Yeah. Yeah, it would have felt unearned, I think. Definitely too soon. Because like, the senator can meet yeah, Rex and Saw Gerrera and all of them down the road and then them start making alliances, but... Yeah. Right. And it, it is interesting that, I mean, speaking of alliances, like, it's called the Rebel Alliance, right? It's right. it's not called, like, just the Rebels, the, you know... The, it's... I, there's the Old Republic, there's the, the, the Empire, and then there's the New Republic, but I think it's interesting to think about it and be like, oh... Of course, the separatists would have become part of the rebellion, right? Yeah. And right. thus, it's more of a, an alliance. And like, and so then, when there's a new republic, it's like, well, do the separatists want to be part of the new republic, or do they want to do their own thing like they did before? I think that's an interesting right. question as well. I mean, it, it's it, 
isn't the empire doesn't last that long, right? I mean, yeah, most empires years. last like 250 years or something. This one, uh, like 20, 20 ish. I mean, it depends. Like, like Napoleon's, you know, like uh, the Third Reich was supposed to last for a thousand years. It lasted for eight. Yeah, Napoleon it's not really an empire if you n- don't finish your. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Napoleon, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like empires, empires fall that, that reach the level that the Galactic Empire did. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, 20 years, I think, is a pretty short amount of time. <laughs> you had sure. a Death Star, and you only lasted 20 years and blew up two planets. <laughs> you had one and <laughs> a half Death, Death Stars. stars. Like, come on, you went one through two quarters. Death Stars in, like, what, like six <laughs> years or something? I mean, the first Death Star could only blow up a planet. Right. But the second one was so powerful, it could blow up a medical frigate. So, like, <laughs> I, I just always laugh at that line from Return of the Jedi. Like, it blows up a ship. Yeah. And they're like, it's got even more power. Like, sure, maybe the, the charts were off the chart or whatever. But anyway, uh, I want us to wrap up. Uh, Paul, I know you need to get going to your next thing yep. that uh, we're going to be having a raid over to. Raid. But, uh, yeah. Paul, for those of you who want to uh, know more about what you're doing, both on Twitch or anywhere else, uh, give your spiel. Yeah, um, I'm Zen Madman on Twitch and Twitter. Um, you can follow or subscribe on uh, Twitch, or you can follow on Twitter or subscribe on YouTube. Uh, I'm mostly doing poker stuff right now, but I do a bunch of other stuff and will probably do more of this sort of thing um, in the future. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, Paul is a great poker player and a great teacher of poker. Uh, I've only been working with him for a couple... Well, I've been working with him for 20 years, but more focused for a couple of weeks now. Um, oh, but i got to edit this, because, Paul, do you have three more minutes to talk martial arts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I also wanted to mention that, like, at the end, was that dude who was playing against Omega... Is that um, someone from, like, Thrawn's race? That's what I was wondering, too. Like, at first, I was like, is that Thrawn? And I'm like, no, that's not Thrawn. But because it's a strategy game, I felt like... Right. It, they make a very big deal in the books about the idea that 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 uh, that Thrawn is like basically like cast out from his own race okay. for even wanting to have contact with outsiders. Right. And, and there's a whole thing to it. Some of which is canon, some of which is not. So I doubt that it would be, but I mean, they're not the Thrawn of the books. Only some of it's canon, and they've definitely made some changes already. Yeah. So possible. And there's a um, lot fewer like blue-looking people in the Star Wars universe than in, like, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, Star, the X-Men. Star, Star Trek is full of blue aliens. Right, right. Like, there was, like, something about blue paint being easier on camera or oh. something like that for the, in the 60s. But anyway, okay, so martial arts... So I think that's going to wrap up our discussion for this episode. We're going to go back in time, though, for a minute. <laughs> episode 9, the martial arts scene. We've got two martial artists with us. Discuss. I don't know. It was really good. I mean, I, I it, it made me wonder like whether it was like motion captured, whether it was choreographed and motion captured, mm-hmm. like the. I could totally see Ming Na Wen doing it with someone. Right. <laughs> I was like, she moves like Ming 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 Na Wen. Like, uh, I, so it it looked very real to me in terms of the action. Right. And we don't get that much real like hand to hand combat that's that elaborate in Star Wars, right? There was one time when um Hunter threw like a skipping sidekick or something earlier in the season. Yeah. Like maybe the mm-hmm. third episode, the one with the the baby Rancor, I think. But like <laughs> we really don't get a whole lot of like it's mostly lightsabers and blasters, right? Yeah. And so it, it was it was really nice to see and it was just really well done, I thought. Right. Why am I forgetting the bounty hunter's name? Cad Bane, Cad Bane. and was, was, was Ming, oh, Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan. So, 
we got to see her fighting in the first time that she showed up and then again in episode nine. And I've noticed that like because she's like a lighter, smaller person, she does rely on parries and like mm-hmm. maneuverability a lot mm-hmm. more than the heavy hits, which Cad Bane, yeah. like he was like more in the in the Muay Thai aspect of like he always hit with intent and hit with strategy. Right. But her ability, like the the Wing Chun style or the Kali style of of parrying and passing and using the bigger person's energy against them. And one of the things that I appreciated a lot about this is that like if they got hit in the leg really bad, they would limp the rest of the episode. If they got hurt on the Mm -hmm. arm, they would try to like work with one arm for a while. Mm -hmm. So that level of detail of like, oh, I got hit, but because it's relevant for me to use both arms in the story... I'm magically like better now, but it's like right. no the the damage that was inflicted between yeah. both of those hits and the detail and like where they were aiming and where they were blocking and where they were catching was just like ah it was gold for me. I loved every second of that episode and all of those fights. And it wasn't just one scene; there was like four yeah. fights throughout the yeah, it was one like episode. half the episode was like them fighting. <laughs> like yeah, and yeah that the point you make about like kind of like having like a dead arm or dead leg or whatever like. I mean, one thing that was one of my favorite techniques in Taekwondo was just you just sidekick someone. And, like, you know, the, there's a certain target area that you're supposed to hit in competition or whatever. But you just hit them in the arm. You hit them in the arm. And then they yeah. drop their arm. And then you <laughs> kick them in the head. Yeah. Like, so, you know, that sort of detail of, like, yeah, when you when you block or you get hit somewhere, like, it, it doesn't function as well as it did yeah. beforehand. Yeah. When you observe somebody, it's like, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. And then when you're right. in the ring, it's like, it's not that easy. My shoulders are so burnt <laughs> out right now. I have armor. I've been thrown out of a building. I've been shot at. I can't keep my hands up anymore. It's not easy. But, and, and here I love that because I can compare it to one of the only things I know about sort of martial arts. If boxing is considered a martial art, you know. Yeah. Muhammad Ali yeah. being so famous for the rope-a-dope, yeah. where like the whole point is you just want so his assumption is the other person will get more tired by punching mm-hmm. than he will be by taking the punch right. again and again. And hearing you talk about it, I think it's just a kind of a nice reminder of like the reason why that's a great strategy for Muhammad Ali, but not everyone does it, is because yeah, most people can't get punched in the arms or kicked in the arms that many times yeah. and still just like keep them up all the time. So that's kind of a fun connection. Yes, yeah, the but... beauty of the jab is it just like it establishes your range, what you know, what you're enticing, how they respond, and it's just like a little bit of test of waters. Then you just you know fire the cannon when yeah. need be afterwards. I like it. All right. Uh, speaking of firing the cannons, we do have a raid coming up, so I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, Zuhair and Paul, thank you so much for being a part of this. This was a great conversation. To our audience listening at home uh, and on here on Twitch, thank you so much. I love having you all on Twitch. I love having the audience uh, following along with us. We got a great piece of feedback uh, that kind of went into more detail about um, Palpatine and Vader and Luke and the Inquisitors that I'm going to read at a later later episode. Um, but we love that feedback. That feedback makes this possible. That feedback helps do all the things we're trying to do. So please keep the feedback. Please keep listening uh, and share this with your friends. Drop us a five-star review. And follow Join our the Patreon. subscribe to Animation Deliberation podcast too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that's yeah, kind of good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I've heard it's I, I was going to give you hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't. Uh, I just wanted to make sure it sounded like you were wrapping up, like you were wrapping yeah, up. I, I kind of was going to let you have the last word. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Also, All you right. were supposed I, to leave I, I five minutes to step ago. On your moment. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to leave five minutes ago. So what's going on here? But yeah, so there's so much great stuff on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Check all that out. Give a follow on Twitch to Stranded Panda TV, to myself, the Ethical Panda, to Paul Zen Madman, and and definitely yeah, we uh, Zuhair and Jay Scotty have both been coming to us from the Animation Liberation Podcast. Uh, your perspective has been awesome. I mean, it's great analysis of everything, but also especially what you bring in terms of 
what you know about animation and martial arts and all this stuff, I'm really loving. So, uh, so yeah, tell people more about what they would get when they listen to Animation Liberation. Yeah, so Animation Liberation Podcast, uh, myself and Jay Scotty, we are finishing up our coverage of Young Justice, so season three for that will be coming soon. We just started our coverage of Demon Slayer because the movie is finally available for streaming. Don't have to worry about going to the theaters anymore. So we're covering the season one in five parts and then doing a rewatch of the movie with some feedback. So follow along if you're a fan of the show or just need a new show to watch. Fantastic. And then Masters of the Universe coming up soon and collaborating with the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast for What If. So a lot of projects coming up, lots of stuff to watch. Send us your feedback. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping to at least drop in at least one of your episodes of He-Man yes. uh, Masters of the Universe because uh, I'm super excited for that. Uh, and just all the stuff you're doing. I I only watched Invincible because of, of your coverage of it. I wound up loving it much more than I thought I would. And Zuhair then, um, they both did great coverage of it on their podcast, but Zuhair also joined me for the ethics of Invincible that led to some great conversations. So please check all that out. Please subscribe to the podcast, follow the Twitches, and most importantly, have a good day. Mm-hmm.